and Savior Jesus the Christ Sorry, by the that. presence of his Holy Spirit among us and within every single one of us. God's people said, Amen. Amen. We've seen some wonderful signs from Jesus as recorded for us in John's eyewitness gospel. Okay? Matthew was an eyewitness, John an eyewitness, so it really helps sometimes to keep that in mind as we go through their gospel accounts. Uh, signs that John has recorded for us so far, water changed into wine, healed the official's son from a far distance, right? Uh, healed the man who'd been lame for 38 years, uh, laying beside a pool, hoping to get in there. Uh, just last Sunday, feeding of 5,000 men plus women and children. And we're going to see more miracles and signs as we go forward. <coughs> At the same time, John has been really carefully warning his readers, including us, that saving faith does not come by seeing signs and being amazed by those signs. We can be even amazed by what Jesus did and think that's a pretty cool miracle. That doesn't lead to salvation. Faith comes by hearing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ himself. So saving faith is a relationship with Jesus himself, not just being, oh, that's a really cool miracle. Kind of like, you know, Christ is risen. Is risen indeed. That's awesome, right? But people saw him alive and still did not believe some of them. They saw Jesus raise Lazarus out of the tomb. And some thought that was really cool, but some didn't believe it. So miracles don't make it come into saving faith. Believing in Jesus saves in Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. So in fact, John literally tells us this, uh, tells us why he wrote his gospel. It goes into the heart of this topic. It's in John chapter 20, verse 30. Just going to touch on that for a second. So at the very end of John's gospel, John chapter 20, verse 30, John writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his other disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, say it with me, so, so that, that you may believe, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John makes it really clear. Jesus did these signs with a great purpose in mind. And I wrote about these signs with a great purpose in mind. So they would help you to believe in him as the Son of God so you could be saved. Powerful thing. And it's a say it's a tricky thing, but it, it's tricky for a lot of people. And so we want to nail it down. John wanted to nail it down. He's going to help us do that today. In today's passage, we're going to see Jesus doing some amazing and uh, critical faith building in his disciples for the challenging times ahead. And I just submit this to you. I'm getting a little bit older. Uh, this is a little bit whiter. It's not gray. It's white. Silver. There's something that comes with age and walking with Jesus. Mm -hmm. As you realize, I preached a sermon a while back, and it really connected with a lot of people about the learning curves of life. We think we've got it figured out, and life's going to be normal for a while. And then yeah. a little bit older, it changes all the time, right? It's similar with our faith. Our faith, and I'm finding, just to be, just to be honest with you, that there can be um, more and regular and chronic challenges to faith in the later years. You hear those cracks about the golden years aren't so great, right? Well, there's some reality there. And so this is a, a powerful boost for us this morning. John chapter 6, verse 16. 
This is right after Jesus fed the 5,000, okay? So when evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now, if you think about this for a little bit, kind of like, I don't know, who goes down to the lake at night and starts rowing across the lake in the dark? Who does that? Mm -hmm. Everybody here do that? When do we tend to go boating on the lake? In the daytime when there's light, amen? So keep in mind, these are professional fishermen. They are second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation of fishermen on this lake. They know it, uh, forwards and backwards. But why are these guys willing to go um, in the boat on the lake at night? Well, I'm probably thinking there was half moon, three-quarter moon, maybe full moon light, a clear night. There, there must have been ability to see what they were doing, know where they were going to a, to a great, great extent. So it was now dark, but it says Jesus had not yet come to them. So it sounds like they waited on the shore of the lake for a while, waited for who to join them. Waited for Jesus to join them, but he didn't. And he wanted them to go on, so they said, well, okay. Well, they got in the boat, and they headed out anyway, as darkness really fell. Verse 18. The sea became rough, because a strong wind was blowing. It happens often on the Sea of Galilee because of where it's situated really down low at 600 feet below sea level. Mm -hmm. It has uh, mountains and hills around it, so it tends to have a strong wind come shooting down the hillsides mm -hmm. in the evening. It wasn't uncommon. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, and this is roughly halfway across the lake, they three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea Coming near the boat, and they were frightened. They've seen some really cool signs and miracles when hanging out with Jesus, right? We don't know. This is later in Jesus' three years of ministry, so they've seen hundreds probably of miracles. Tons of healings. They just saw him feed 5,000 people with five little loaves of bread and two little fish. They've seen him, I don't know, I don't think they've seen him raise Lazarus yet. Maybe the widow of Nain's son. They've seen some resurrection, maybe. Some awesome stuff. What is Jesus doing here? Why does he why does he show this? Why does he perform this? It's not a stunt. Why does Jesus walk on the water in the darkness to them in the middle of the lake? They were frightened. Verse 20. Jesus said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. <clears throat> then they were glad to take him into the boat. Immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. What do you notice about how Jesus, I mean, it's a simple thing, right? He's approaching. He knows they've seen him and they're afraid. How does Jesus release strength and courage and faith in the situation? Jesus speaks. It's me. Don't be afraid. Simple thing, right? The faith comes by hearing. Your faith is boosted by hearing. We need to hear the voice of Jesus regularly. Amen. How do you and I hear the voice of Jesus? The best way is to be opening this. Amen. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the living word, and he does. But Jesus faced them here and said, don't be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. <coughs> I know I know I'm kind of at kindergarten level here, but sometimes we need to be. When you're afraid, you got a situation going on in your life. 
Jesus will come through whatever is, is hindering, whatever is blocking the way. And uh, simple thing, I'm just going to tell you, you need to let Jesus get into your boat. What's your situation? What's your problem? What's the thing you're afraid of? Make sure Jesus is in the boat with you in that fearful situation. So it goes back to the testimony. Call on him. Bring the situation to him. And if you need to, go ahead and say, Jesus, I'm out in the middle of the lake, and it's dark, and the wind is blowing, the waves are rough, and I need you. Would you come through whatever might be hindering? Would you come now and come into my boat? I need you to be with me. Can you, can you rejoice? Can you trust Jesus to answer that call? He will always answer that call. So Jesus gets into the boat with them, and now what? Then they were glad to take him into the boat. and like, okay, this is better. But check this out. Immediately, the boat was at the land to which they were going. Did you catch that? There's two miracles here. The one is Jesus is walking on water. We get that. Super miracle. Here's miracle number two. For whatever reason, Jesus is like, I want to be at the land. I want to be at the shore now. So he's not going to take a, a sleep in the boat and make them row against the wind for the next four or five hours. But boom, they're at the, the edge of the lake now. Is Jesus always going to fix everything for you just like that? Not always. Sometimes. I've seen amazing turnarounds. In the moment, in a day, things that look like mountains that would, boy, this is going to be weeks where this gets straightened out. One day. Boom, boom, boom. God, bring it into, into glory. So let invite Jesus into your boat. Amen? Verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea so that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. So they've, they've got a mystery. And so the, they're detecting. We never saw Jesus get in the boat. The disciples left. Where is he? Where are they? What's going on here? The disciples had gone away alone. Verse 23, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread the day before, half the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So what are they after? What are they looking for? We had a really good meal yesterday. All you can eat fish fry. There was leftovers. We all ate as much as we wanted. Let's get more. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And also, um, part of their question is, how did you get here? You didn't go with the disciples. You didn't use a boat. What's the deal? When did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now, it's kind of buried in the original language here a little bit, but Jesus kind of skips over their question, right? It's not about how I got here, when I got here. Here's the thing that's really important. Why are you seeking me? Now, here's the deal. Jesus has been doing the signs, including feeding them the day before. He's been doing the signs so they could recognize something about him. So with the kid talk, what do we want to help the kids to recognize about Jesus? 
he did these things, was able to do them because he is the son of God. Look from the signs to the God who accomplished them. Look from the signs to the Savior who can save us. So Jesus is saying to this crowd is pursuing the next morning. He's saying, I fed you yesterday, and you recognize that was an amazing thing. But you're still focused on the sign you want another feeding. Did you bother to, to, to look up from the miraculous bread and fish and go, where did this come from? Who did this come from? We've got to know Jesus, the man. That's the step that's not happening here. That's why Jesus brings it to the forefront. They say, hey, when, when did you come here? Jesus, that's not the point. The point is, you got to have me. I'm doing these signs. You recognize who I am and want to have me as Savior and Lord. Truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes. But now say this with me. But for the food that endures to eternal life. We've got a fascinating Kind of tricky passage here. we got to dig deep and get this nailed down. Jesus says, right now you're willing to jump in a boat and paddle across the lake to get a free breakfast. He says, I get it. Food is important. Amen. But he says, there is a far more important food that you need to be working for. And this food is what? Food that endures to eternal life. You're so in the now. You're so concerned about your, your tummy aching or grumbling now that you're ignoring the reality of eternal life, the future that's coming. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, say this with me, which the Son of Man will give to you. Now, do those words go together? Work and give. Work and gift. They don't function together. If I work for something, then you owe me. Pay me. Workers worthy of his wage, amen. So the people, Jesus says, you need to do, you need to work for the thing that endures to eternal life. But he says, here's something really odd, strange, and wonderful about it. You can't work for it and accomplish it on your own. It's something that I have to give you as a gift. And who's going to give it? The Son of Man will give it to you. For on him, the Son of Man, Jesus, God the Father, has set his seal. Uh, who can give this gift of eternal life to you? Can anybody give it? How about Buddha? Here, he's pretty cool. Love to eat food in the restaurants where he's displayed. How about uh, Muhammad? Lots of folks following him and his teachings. Only one. On him, Jesus, God the Father, set his seal. Verse 28. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? If you've got your own Bible, you know, electronic, whatever version it is, circle or underline the S on there. The works of God. What kind of things should we do, Jesus, to make sure that we're getting this eternal life? How many times a week, do, how many times a month do I need to go to church? How much money do I need to put in the plate? How many little old ladies do we need to help across the street? How many works? What are the works that I should do to get to heaven? Verse 29. Jesus answered them. Would you say it with me together in unison? This, this is, is the, the work, work of, of God, God 
that you that believe, believe in him whom he has sent. sent. A couple of big things here, right? People said, line up the works for us. Give us the list, right? Give us the God to do list to be for us to be right with God and get eternal life. And Jesus said, Well, let me boil it down for you. How many works are there, people, of God for eternal life? Just one. What does Jesus say? This is the work. Get your own Bibles, do a bunch of circling, squares, stars I do, exclamation points in the margin. I got a star and an exclamation point. This is the work. This is it. Let me boil it down for you. One thing is needful. Now, it involves a whole bunch of aspects, but there's one thing to be focused on, one thing that is needful. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You can't do enough works to get accomplished. It's actually a gift. So here is the work God expects and needs and requires every person on the planet for salvation. Believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. Believe in him. This is the work of God. Now, this is tricky, isn't it? We're supposed to believe. It sounds like believing is a work. It sounds like it's, it's hard work sometimes. Sounds like believing is a challenge. Something we need to focus on and actually do. I've got to be careful. I, I'm a Lutheran pastor. This is the book of James kind of coming to life, isn't it? Luther didn't like the book of James. But Luther got so, he was, Luther was so focused on works for a lot of his life, trying to please God, that it was, it was a huge part of his attempt. And then God showed him, knock it off, Martin. I love you. It's a gift. And when Martin got a hold of the gift, he rightly lifted that up and just screamed and yelled and wrote and preached about it the rest of his life. He said, it's the gift. You can't do anything. And he, and he preached against works like crazy. He had to. That's what was going on in the, in the body and the church. But he was so nervous about anything related to works that he didn't even want to hear about a passage like this. Because he didn't want people getting confused at all. So I know we, we preach, we get the word all the time. We're clear about this. You can't get there by doing good things. You can't overweight the balance of your sin. It's a gift. But here's the deal. You're already believing. You're already trusting Jesus for salvation. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Got to keep on believing. Sometimes that involves work. Sometimes difficult, challenging, head-scratching, painful things come our way in life that could tend to cause us to get bitter about God, question God, question God so long, so deep, so hard that we start walking away from God. <clears throat> there are times when believing in Jesus Christ requires work, requires me to be in the Word, requires me to, to reach out to somebody and say, I'm, I'm really, I'm at a bad spot. At a low spot. I need some prayer. I need some love. I need somebody who's, whose faith is rocking to come sit beside me and share some of that faith with me because mine is really in trouble right now. We do that for each other. That's body life. Amen. Amen. So if you're if you're here today and you're like, I'm really struggling. I've got painful things happening in my life and I don't understand it. And 
I feel like I'm kind of drifting from God. I didn't even feel like I wanted to come this morning. If that's where you're at, please tell somebody here. Tell me, but say, I need somebody to pray for me. My faith is, is flagging. It's being tried. I need somebody to come alongside me and help. This is the work of God. So there's, there's times when faith is a slam dunk. Man, when I was coming out of COVID, uh, God met me in, in such a powerful way in that uh, hospital room in Mankato. Uh, a song came to life. I knew his presence. I felt God's presence in a way I'd never felt before. The strength and the power of his presence, it was just touchable. In that moment, I came out of there, and I was like, I was on fire. Physically, I was wiped. I was a, I was a, a weak little kitten. But spiritually, I was like, God is my rock on fire. So I'm glad to share that with anybody. And I need to be careful. You know what? My my faith right now is, is just so like, I know it. I need to be careful that I don't just bowl people over. So we need to be careful with that too. If you're struggling today, tell somebody. Believing is work. So I want to show you an example of this. John is so good about showing us examples of things. So go back to John chapter 20. I'm going to pick it up at verse 24. So this is uh, the day, well, this is a week after Jesus rose from the dead. Cool thing, the day Jesus rose from the grave that Sunday morning, later that Sunday afternoon, he dropped in to visit the disciples. But one of them was missing. Who remembers who was missing? Thomas was missing. Thomas said, I, you know, okay, well, let's, let's look at it. Verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with, with them when Jesus came that first time. So the other disciples told him. Now, in, in the, the Greek, the verb is, the disciples kept on telling him. Every day, they're like, Thomas, we're telling you this is real. We saw him. We talked to him. He's alive. And they kept on telling him. So the disciples kept on telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger to the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, say with me, I, I will never believe. believe. Thomas is at the lowest point you can be in that belief zone. He saw Jesus dead, really, really dead, dead from being on a cross. And he couldn't bring his heart and his mind to believe. Now, now listen, he spent three years with Jesus. What did he see? He saw healings. He saw people raised from the dead. He saw Jesus walk on water. Why did Jesus do the walk on water? He wanted to build more faith in the disciples. Let him know that he had power and authority over all things. Thomas is in a very dangerous place. A very dangerous place. He's saying, unless I can stick my finger in there, I'm never going to believe. If that if that stands true, where is Thomas going for eternity? If he will not believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, he's going where? He's going to hell. You say, what? He's one of the 11. One of the faithful guys. God's not going to let him in. God's not going to let him in. got to believe. So his eternity is hanging in the balance here. Verse 26, eight days later, 
did God give him a chance to listen, to, to let faith come by hearing the witness of his other 10 uh, brothers, the disciples? He gave him seven days to listen and, and receive, and he didn't. Eight days later, verse 26, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them. What are they probably talking about? The disciples are going, Thomas, knock it off. Trust us. You got to believe. It's real. He's here. We talked to him. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came, stood among them and said, peace be with you. And Jesus turned to Thomas. Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Here in the, in the ESV it says, do not disbelieve, but believe. I think, I think we need to flesh this out and just go like literal translation from the Greek. As deep as we can, spell it out. So when you do that, Jesus is saying here, stop becoming an unbeliever. Thomas was in the process of becoming an unbeliever by choosing not to believe what he heard from truthful men and truthful testimony. Jesus said, you're in danger. Stop becoming an unbeliever. Become a believer. Now, the whole Gospel of John comes to this moment. Right? John's been saying all along, the signs, the signs, the signs, they all point to Jesus. So you can believe in him. He's risen. You must continue to believe in him. Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. somebody here this morning that you feel like, I need to see Jesus. I need to stick my finger in him. I can't do that for you. I can't produce that for you. And God most likely will not do that for you. Here's what he has done. 2,000 years worth of testimony and life changes world-changing things done by people who believe in Jesus Christ. Here's what else God has done. For three years, God built up Thomas's faith by showing him many, many things. I look back in my life, I'm almost 60 years old now, about another month. I, 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 should, I should sit down and start writing them down. Amen? Mm -hmm. Look back in your life and those close to you. Rehearse the things you have seen God do and you knew it was God. And keep on rehearsing. David does this in the Psalms all the time. David will pour out his heart and say, Oh God, this is all going wrong. Where are you going to answer my call? And he goes, Oh yeah. Remember that time God did this and that time God did that and that time God did this and that time he builds a psalm. He's like, Praise the Lord, he's going to answer my cry. So when you're in the, the Thomas zone here, I pray that you don't get that far, but if you are, and you ever get there, go back and rehearse and let your faith rise up again. Amen? Amen. Ask somebody else, 
Tell me how you know Jesus is real. Let them share with you their testimony. Let faith rise back up. This is part of working at believing. Take the time to work and let your faith be built back up. Do what you need to do to have your faith strengthened and built back up for the hard times. Pastors that come in with wave magic wands and make faith all better. for each other. The Lord does that for us. He will do things to build your faith. Need to see him walk on water? He'll do that. Build your faith. So I want to submit to you this morning. Go back to chapter 6, verse 28. They said to Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Sometimes believing is, is work. Sometimes it's hard. Jesus says, don't walk away from the hard time. Do the work. Ask for help. Come to me. Open the word. Remember what I've done for you in the past. Reach out for help. But do the believing work. And trust me. We're so thankful that you're patient and you're kind and you're gracious and you're merciful. God, thank you for not abandoning Thomas. You gave him seven days to ponder on. He's like us sometimes. He just refused to budge. And you loved him anyway and you came and reached out to him. Jesus, uh, if we're here struggling today, Watch online or struggle. Jesus, I pray. Show us. Come up, show up to a friend, a loved one, in your word. Remind us of a time when we thought all was lost and you stepped up and you saved us. Remind us of how we first came to know you and love you and be saved in you. God, fan the flames of faith. Help us to do the work of believing and to grow up in faith. judgment, no condemnation for each other. We've all had low days and low moments. We've all had days of victory and shouting success. We come alongside each other, Father, in Jesus' name, to love on each other and help each other through. God, help us to help each other to do the work of believing and to grow up and mature into Christ Jesus, our Lord, so that our faith can withstand any shaking from the world because your word never is shaken. Bless you. Glory to your Father. Thank you, mighty God. We grow up in faith. We thank you for your help in that powerful name. Jesus, by the work of your Holy Spirit and your living word, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.